0: You're listening to episode 234, Online Marketing Strategies and Secrets with Dr. Jackie Nolke.
1: Um, I heard the saying, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway. And that really hit home with me because i was like okay i've got if i want to do the things i want to in life i'm gonna have to feel the fear and do it anyway because i get, i'm scared so i just started doing that and putting myself in positions that would terrify me honestly and at first it sucked yeah. <laughs> at first it was really hard but at, over time i got used to it you know what i mean like at that kind of like putting yourself in the position yeah, the places of get desensitized
0: that you're- a little bit
1: exactly that's exactly what happened so um yeah it was a combination of things but really um i would say the most important were honesty, the gratitude and putting myself in those positions that scared me this
0: is the dance of life my name is Tudor alexander and we are going to go on a journey to hack your mind body and soul for living your best life yet Tune in every week to learn something new, grow, and get inspired as we discover the secrets of success and practice the art of fulfillment. And if it's one thing I hope you learn from today, it's that your life is a dance. And just like any dance, you can learn to dance it well. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show Another episode of The Dance of Life. My name is Tudor Alexander, and I will be your host. As always, thank you so much for joining me today. So happy to have you here, you know, in the 2020s already, March 19th, 2021. I remember when we were kids, you know, we'd watch these shows like the Jetsons, and we think far off into the future, and here we are in the 2020s. It's a pretty crazy, pretty crazy thought. Already a quarter of the way through it. Aristotle taking it away for us today with some timeless wisdom. It is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. You know, flexibility in the physical world, I love the physical world because it can help us understand the invisible world, but flexibility in the physical world is being able to stretch something in between two opposing points. And the same is with your mind. If your mind is flexible, it can entertain two different opposing ideas doesn't have to be political ideas, but it's really just two opposing viewpoints, two different perspectives that are very uh, opposite of each other. But when you realize that they all come together to create, in the same way, you know, your shadow, your your shadow, your your light, plus and minus, blue and red, up and down, left and right, they all arise mutually from the same center ultimately. And finding how they intertwine to create the dance of life in between, and whatever it is that you're in you know, looking into whether it's a relationship, whether it's a business, there's always these dualistic factors, these two opposing things, you know, like for example, in business, if I want to be, you know, successful, we have to have some level of aggression. We have to push ourselves. We have to have energy and all these sort of masculine values, but then you also need systems. You need systems. You need uh, communication and connection with your employees, with your customers, You need detail-orientedness. You know, you need patience. All these things are on the opposite side of the spectrum, and they seem like they are um, at odds with each other at first because they're so different. But in reality, they work together, and this is when you realize this idea in a little microcosm that the two opposing forces are not actually opposing each other but rather spiraling upward and outward to create this is when you reach a new level of understanding with what you're doing. And so the hard part is transposing that nice little poetic metaphor and uh, situation that's challenging where you find yourself on one side or the other. That's that's really the hard part. But, you know, it's all it's all a practice. You know, today marketing is an art and a science that's part of that practice, I think, because we have to always consider how do we get our voice out there? How do we create through what we want, you know, through the different channels that we have available and how do we get our message out into the world. And marketing is a big part of that. It's an art and a science. Part of it is the science of all the technicalities. And the other part is the art, being authentic to yourself, Uh, you know, having a a very well-designed, you know, an artistic and inspiring, you know, marketing material that you have for people to look at and to experience videos, ads, whatever it is. But whatever your position is in marketing, whether it's for a nonprofit or for a community, for your own business, whether you're trying to market an event that you're starting for the first time, you know, marketing is here to stay. And today on The Dance of Life, I sit down with a marketing expert. Very excited to share her with you. Really great conversation because we're going to dive into the nitty gritty. Her name is Dr. Jackie Nolke, and we're going to be jumping into key components of online business. A lot, of, a lot of details. So grab your notebook for this interview because it's going to be a lot of great stuff. Dr. Jackie is an online entrepreneur and digital marketing strategist who helps entrepreneurs and naturopath- naturopathic doctors grow, start, and scale their online courses, services, and memberships so they can have the freedom they crave in life. She's also the founder and CEO of Grateful Ads who helps brands grow their influence, define their voice, and scale their offers through innovative digital ads and sales funnels. Today we're talking everything online marketing having to do with all the strategies and secrets that you should know and employ in your business. You know, online marketing is constantly changing. So I'm very happy to have Dr. Jackie uh, jump on the show with us and share her expertise because there's so many details to online marketing and certainly uh, it can be a little overwhelming at first. But grab your notebook. You know, we're going to be jumping into everything having to do with ads, how to drive traffic, how to create a funnel, what an online course is all about. All these things that you probably have heard about, or maybe you're employing already. So if that's you, maybe, uh, you know, you're already down the road a little bit, you know, you can learn a few things. It's always, it's always nice to review the principles. You know, a lot of the things that we talk about in this interview I've implemented in my business, but it's always really nice to review as well. It's like, Oh yeah, you know, that is important. I mean, I forgot to do that. Or maybe I can look at this again and see what I'm, I might tweak this time based off of that conversation. So wherever you are in your own marketing journey, I hope this serves you. I hope it reminds you of both the dualistic, you know, aspect of marketing, the art and the science and, and wherever you happen to be a more proficient at, you know, some of us are more artsy than others. And some of us are more sciencey than others. So the key is just to always embrace your opposite and go from there. So I hope this, uh, episode inspires you and educates you at the same time. If you want to get in touch with Dr. Jackie, uh, go to danceoflife.com podcast. This is episode 234. I'm going to put some links on there that might be of interest to you. One of them is a 20% off coupon at her uh, SheEO store. Very clever little name there. SheEO, that's the she, s h e e o store.com. Uh, So you can use a coupon code podcast and you can get basically 20% off the CEO store. She's got a lot of great stuff on there and you can also stay in touch with it. I'll put all the links in the show notes post for this. That's episode 234. And without further ado, let's do it. Online marketing strategies and secrets with Dr. Jackie Nolke. How's life
1: it's good. I live in the most remote county in the continental us. So, um, wow. we're not as affected here by COVID and everything. Cause it's so small. We live in a town of 400 and there's snow on the ground. We're surrounded by mountains. It's beautiful. So I can't, wow. complain.
0: <laughs> where, where, where do you live? What county?
1: Uh, Hensdale County in Colorado.
0: Wow. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Is that yeah. the Northern part or more Southern? What
1: it's Southwest,
0: Southwest.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. That's cool. I, you know, there's something really special about having a a really intimate community. I I went to school at a uh, like a private school, it was just like, you know, 20 kids in a classroom for like eight years. Mm -hmm. And like I'm still friends with one of my longest friends I've known for like 30 years was from that first grade when we met. Yeah, So it's, yeah. you don't get that when you're in a busy city and you're just kind of running around. I mean, you, you have that sense of community and intimacy. That's really cool.
1: Yeah, for sure. We know everybody. <laughs> so so you're yeah.
0: the go-to person there for marketing, I'm guessing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, actually I don't work with anyone locally. Um, I work, all my clients are, you know, online entrepreneurs and other right. places around the world, um, interesting enough, because people here don't really do marketing because it's, yeah, you know, right. if you have a business, you try, everyone knows what the businesses are. Um, but yeah, it's kind of nice because I have my like online world where I have all my online contacts and, you know, friends, colleagues, all that kind of stuff. And then I have my little small world here. So it's like the best mm. of both. So that's pretty cool. How, you how, long,
0: have you, how long have you been doing the uh, entrepreneur gig?
1: Uh, six years, and I own three businesses. So I have wow. a um a marketing membership for doctors. I have a uh I co own a ad agency, and then we also with my same business partner we also just launched a, an e commerce store for entrepreneurs. Oh, so cool. I've got a lot going on, but it's what's fun. the
0: what's the e commerce store? Is that people were basically it's like um people can just give give you their products and you sell it for them kind of thing or.
1: No, so we get all of our own products, but it's called the CEO store and Mm. it's, um, based towards helping women be the CEOs of their um, own businesses. So we have everything from like digital downloads to office decor, a lot of shirts that say like entrepreneurish type stuff, entrepreneur swag mug, you know, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's been fun.
0: Cool. That's how'd you come up with the CEO store? That's a cool name.
1: Yeah. Um, just thinking about, we wanted to create something for women where it's a one-stop shop where they can get their stuff for their branding for, you know, uh, photos, all that kind of stuff. And, um, I just came to me one day, I was like, what about CEO? Cause we're like thinking about different words with like CEO and things mm, like that. Yeah. So there's no like real cool backstory to it, but, um, yeah, that's how it came about.
0: It's clever. I mean, I, I always like to hear the history behind names. You never know what the story is. So it's always cool. Yeah. That
1: was <laughs> yeah. No, fun.
0: How did you get into entrepreneurship? Were you always sort of like a a businessy type person? Were you the kid with a lemonade stand, or were you uh, kind of working a full time gig and then just kind of made the leap?
1: Yeah, so definitely, I don't, I don't think I really was like that as a kid per se. But um, once I got into, I went to grad school for Ed. Um, early childhood education, and once I was in there, I really wanted to start a school. So that was like eleven years ago, and so I like put up a website. I was, you know, doing all these things, and um, this was in Austin, Texas, and I had a lot of interest. And then my husband and I actually decided to move, so that didn't pan out. But uh, that was kind of the first time I like had the entrepreneur bug, and I was like already mm-hmm. online, doing stuff, writing a blog. Um, I built my own website, all that kind of stuff. Um, not coding, but, you know, with like a drag and drop. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, but that's the first time I was like, I can actually do this. I can actually put something online and make money. So that's kind of when, you know, it got in, you know, something got in my head about it. And then I was a teacher and I actually started having really bad anxiety, like really, really bad anxiety. I was diagnosed with agoraphobia actually. And so that's a lot like of fear people-
0: of think enclosed spaces, right?
1: Yeah. It's like a lot of people think agoraphobia is like when you won't leave your house at all. I mean, that's kind of the, but that's kind of part of it. Like I would leave my house, but I was always looking for exits, like always looking for exits, always thinking Mm. of like, okay, how am I going to get out of this situation? So I got really bad. And basically through that, I didn't wanna have to go work as my teacher job anymore. So I started kind of dabbling online and I also got really involved in personal development, like super Mm -hmm. involved in it because I was, you know, wanting to get out of this. Like it was, I was getting my doctor at the time and it was definitely like uh, getting in my way of succeeding and doing the things I wanted to do. So yeah, I dove super into personal development. I also, you know, was seeing a therapist, doctor. I was doing all the things. But through that, I started a personal development coaching program. And so that was my first online business. This was about six and a half years ago. And I was transparent about it. I said, you know, I'm going through this and I'm going to take people along with me. So these are the tools that are helping me feel better. And I wanted to take you along with that. And, you know, it did okay. I didn't make millions, but it did okay. But through that, and at the time I was getting what, Graduating with my doctorate, I fell in love with the business side and the marketing and all of that. So that then trans, uh, I didn't then transitioned into having a marketing membership. Through that, uh, I fell in love with um, paid advertising. So that's how I started my agency, mm-hmm. and then the CEO store kind of um, formed because we wanted to provide a service that had you know all these things for women. Entrepreneurs, but also because in our agency, we do a lot of Shopify builds, we do a lot of things. So we were already working in the e commerce sector. And so that's kind of how that came about as well, because we wanted to do it for ourselves as well. So that's kind of the I have kind of a long story, but that's it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, everybody's got a good story. No, I I like it. I mean, it's uh, especially with the anxiety part. I mean, everybody deals with that, I think to some degree in their life. Uh, and there's so many different flavors of anxiety. I mean, I used to have a uh, panic attacks in college and they were just like debilitating. I mean, you mm-hmm. just can't, you know, do anything. It just hijacks your life, you know? So, uh, I'm curious, like what, what did you find? Cause I think also a lot of entrepreneurs deal with anxiety, especially mm-hmm. again, everybody's going to deal with anxiety, but I think as an entrepreneur because you have so much more stress and responsibility and it's all out in the open, it's going to, you're going to find it really quick, whatever that you're here to deal with, you're going to find it really quick. So I think a lot of people can relate to that. So what was some things that really helped you uh, overcome your anxiety of, of agoraphobia?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So it was, there's so many layers to it, but uh, one of the things was definitely a gratitude practice so i still do this to this day i pick a number every single day when i see that number i go into a state of gratitude and mm-hmm. that transformed my life hundred um, percent also meditation um but then also like i went and you know i went to a naturopathic doctor and got a lot my husband's a naturopathic doctor too but i went to someone else got all my labs run um all those kind of things and really found that i was having trouble like detoxing things like just mm-hmm. you know in our environment things like that so Once I was supporting that, that helped a lot too. So, and then also um, therapy. So it was a combination of so many different things and also pushing myself out of my comfort zone. So I really, um, I heard the saying, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway. And that really hit home with me because I was like, okay. I've got, if I want to do the things I want to in life, I'm going to have to feel the fear and do it anyway. Cause I like, I'm scared. So I just started doing that and putting myself in positions that would terrify me, honestly. And at first it sucked yes. <laughs> at first, it was really hard, but F- over time I got used to it. You know what I mean? Like at that kind of like putting yourself in the position, hey,
0: a little bit.
1: Exactly. That's exactly what happened. So um, yeah, it was a combination of things, but really, Um, I would say the most important were honestly, the gratitude and putting myself in those positions that scared me that finally feel like nothing now.
0: (laughs) So So true. You know, it's, I think I find it's like a day one type of thing. Every day is is day one, because no matter how much you do every day, there's something that will challenge you in one way or another. And, uh, it's a practice, you know, it's every day is, is you have to find, I like your method The find what's your number for today, by the way, (laughs) three, three. Okay. Nice. Yep. So if I hold up a number three with my fingers, yep. then yeah. you have to find something you agree for. <laughs>
1: yeah, and I do it just quick. It's so, it's habit now. You know what I mean? Like I've been yeah. doing this for That's good. six years. It kind of snaps so you
0: just... out of your your situation.
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: I had somebody that I talked to recently and gosh, I'm having a hard time remembering who it was, but uh, they had a habit where they, the, when they see or when they either when they leave the house or when they come in the house like to to do like a gratitude practice or when they see a tree or something that was like you're going to see it anyway so they kind of stacked it with that little habit and so it was a very interesting type of little like transition every time they would transition either going out of the house or coming in the house there's this little click you know it's like these little clicks that kind of um snap you out of your mind because it's so easy, especially again in business and entrepreneurship and all the things that uh, we're talking about. It's so easy to run your mind on one thing and you're just running and running and running and running and you keep running. Mm -hmm. And at some point you you just inevitably become more ineffective because details will overwhelm you. So you have to be able to snap out of it and snap yourself out of it uh, with these little you know, I call them hacks, but I don't know. They're kind of timeless. <laughs> They've been around for thousands of years. You know, we think we're so clever figuring it out. So,
1: yeah, no, yeah, exactly what you're saying. Cause we get in, uh, I call it like squirrel brain a lot of times too, yeah. when you just have <laughs> so many ideas and you're just like all over the place. If you don't take those moments to kind of slow down and, um, just be present and think about what you're grateful for, not stressed about the future, not stressed about what you're going to do tomorrow in the business and this that and the other, it, it's, it's, transformational has changed my life for sure
0: how do you think that's helped you become better at marketing
1: yeah that's a great question um okay so a lot of marketing is it's both strategy and gut right because Mm -hmm. especially at first we put anything out like in advertising um we've got a we're testing things. So we don't know, you know what I mean? At first, like, honestly, you're testing. And so I would say definitely being able to like, just having those moments of gratitude and those moments of being able to turn within have helped me also tune into my gut, trust my gut into what I'm going to do at the beginning of those campaigns, because, Mm. you know, every account's different, every offer's different. Um, And so, although we have, we, kind of think we know what's going to work with each kind of with each, um, uh, client it's, it's different every time. So I have to be able to trust my gut in that and also use that strategy. So it's a balance. So I'd say that.
0: Yeah. So true. I mean, especially with, uh, with marketing, I think it's the biggest thing is being true to your message. And, and I think that's a lot of, that's a big struggle for a lot of people is finding out. Okay. Cause I think today more than ever, there's, there's so many tools, to help anybody just create stuff. Like anybody can create anything. You can, you go on your phone, use Canva, you know, you make some crazy production value picture, you know, but the question is, is it relevant to your, to your image, to, to what you believe in, you know, like, you know, they have templates now for email templates. I just saw an ad actually. It was like, this ad is written by AI. You know, it's like, it's like one of those clever, like, Hey, what's up, you know, check this out. And it was actually written by a robot. And I'm like, God, that, that's crazy shit to me because, you know, if, like what, what, what will that mean, you know, five years from now, let's say, hypothetically, where we have all these different tools, but in the end, the principle is still going to be the same. Is it relevant to your, is it authentic? Is it in alignment with your vision? Is it alignment with what you believe, with your personal values, your brand, you know, that kind of thing? I mean, the tools are there, but it's like your ability to use your gut, like you said, or intuition is the most important I think in marketing.
1: Yeah. And I also think that you want to make sure you're attracting the right people. So just like how you're kind of say like, you know, being authentic, what your values, all those kind of things are important as a business owner because you want to be able to, you want to be attracting the people that you want to work with. This is your business, your life. So um I don't know how well AI will be able to, you know, cause they <laughs> yeah. might be able to AI. I mean, in AI, can be amazing. Like there's some tools out there that give us like all kinds of data. We even have some that we use like um, one called magics and things that will give us our data and, and let us know like ideas on like which campaigns we should be running, but we don't let them have the control. Like we still have the control. Right. We use that as information, but um, at the end of the day, you want to have the right customers. I mean, most people, most people want the right customers and be filled and filled or whatever it is, their business or practice, their coaching, business whatever it is and not be filled with people that aren't really meshing with them whose values are different who don't really understand where they're coming from who they are all those kind of things so i think that ai will play a role 100 we can't ignore that that's that's part of what's happening but i also think there's a balance i think there's place for both
0: what do you think about those chatbots that are super popular now everybody's using
1: yeah. Um, I actually personally don't use them, but I have, I know a lot of marketers personally that use them and have great success with them. Um, I think that it actually is a good way to gather data on your customers. So you can obviously segment the information you've written the information in hmm. the first place. So that's in the back end, You're, it's just kind of like, uh, like you structure the conversation,
0: campaign. right? Like you structure yeah. basically, if they say this, then, you know, go here, that type of thing.
1: Exactly. So usually there's options. So it'll be like press yes if this is what you like or press no if no. And then there's an you know the next uh the next message has already been formulated right behind mm-hmm. the scenes. So it's not like it's AI based on like what people are saying. The owner of the bot has already written all that out. So it's kind of like email marketing uh in automations like when yeah. you have different segments going on depending on what people are interested in, that kind of thing. So personally, do I like them? I don't have a problem with them. The reason why I don't dive into them because there's a lot of red tape as far as Facebook. They're always changing the rules, what you can Mm. do when you can. So it's kind of, um, it can be kind of difficult. I'll say that from from the marketer's perspective. So I'm kind of old school. I just do the ads, we do funnels and we do email marketing and uh, that's pretty much what what we focus on.
0: I mean, email is still really effective, I think. I don't remember what Mm -hmm. the latest statistics are, but I think email, especially with the the ever, like you said, the platforms are always changing. And for me personally, I mean, I like having the idea that, okay, like I'm actually in touch with these people rather than Mm -hmm. they're on my platform. And then suddenly you see somebody, you know, get deplatformed. They have millions of subscribers or whatever. And then it's mm-hmm. pointless if you don't have, you know, contact with those people there you're, you're just renting them, you know, so uh, email to me is is still pretty good.
1: 100% like you and um, every, everyone that's an entrepreneur has probably heard this before, but you have to focus on having your email because like you're saying you own that. Uh, You own your email. You don't own your Facebook page. You don't own your Instagram accounts get shut down all the time. This is something that we have to worry about. So with our clients, we always say you have to have a lead gen strategy. Like we don't, we want you to have a lead gen strategy. So we ask them all to agree to that because we want them to own that. Own that property or own those um, those contacts. And the other thing is, as you're growing your email list, that's you can create really good lookalike audiences. When if you still do have Facebook and Instagram and those things, and you could target that email list. So even though only 20% opens an email. Um, Roughly, that's industry standard. You can send that same messaging through through ads and and the people that are on your email list can see it through that. They're about 80% chance they'll see it through ads. So using that combination of the email and also advertising is gold. It's great strategy. But then also having that email as a backup, because you're right, we don't your account could get shut down. That's 100 percent something that we have to be um, conscious of and aware of so yeah having those emails super important for
0: sure what would you say like if you were to outline like a few basic strategies to to somebody who is getting started with their business and they don't really have the email slash opt-in slash lead gen slash free you know freebie to build their list what are some some just general good thoughts to consider in that department how to create it
1: Yeah, great question. So it doesn't really matter as much how like beautiful it is, like creating Canva, like you're saying, and spending hours creating this um, freebie. It's more about the content. So you want something super juicy. So and not something super long where people are going to have to watch, you know, a 45 minute video or something like that. But something especially if you're brand new out of the gate. What is something that, you know, people want to know about, like really want to know about make that condense it into about a one page Google doc, (laughs) you know, you could just have the Google doc. And then now you have, um, now you have something to give people and you can organically start this just on your, you know, your own Facebook page, your personal page. If you do videos or go live or anything like that, and you just let, let them know, message me your email. If you want this, um, if you want this, uh, Google Doc, that I have all this great information on that's going to give you so much clarity. And that's an amazing way to start growing your email as super fast. And then you can also, if you want to repurpose that, run it to ads, all that kind of thing, absolutely, once you're ready. But, um, yeah, I think people get stuck in the like in the design and what making it want to look, you know, a certain way and things like that. At the end of the day, people are gonna give you your their email because it's something they actually want. So sometimes people spend tons of time, you know, with the perfect opt-in page, the perfect quote unquote, perfect, the perfect design and stuff like that. And they're not getting the, they're not getting the conversions they want. Well, it's because people don't really want that information. You know what I mean? Like you have to have something that people actually want start with that. And, um, that will help you scale for sure.
0: What, I mean, uh, I remember seeing on Facebook that you can now, I saw some live stream that a guy was doing and he somehow connected his opt-in to the live stream or maybe he just posted the link for people to basically click like it was the first comment on the live stream you know and he would do live streams all the time and so people would click on the link and you could go sign up for his email list but you know mm-hmm. that's that was a clever thing I thought it was to basically use your if you have a good live audience on Facebook to use your link for your opt-in just put it you know right in the first comment and then people can just go there <laughs>
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, like, you don't, it's it starting out like if you're brand new, right? You're probably not going to start out with ads because, you yeah. know, that's an investment, things like that. But you absolutely should be, you know, growing your list. That's a perfect way. Even on your uh, personal page, don't make it, you know, you don't want to go against terms of service with Facebook. So it can't be super selly. That's why, or, you know, sales focus, but that's why you're teaching something and just like, Hey, message me. If you want, I have this document that outlines all this for you message me if you want it. And that's how you can start growing that email list right away hmm. without an opt-in page, without anything, you know, without a website, nothing.
0: So as are interesting. I mean, I've, I've had a few that were great and I've had just ones that I've wasted so much money on. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's it's, sometimes it feels like gambling, but what is it, what has been for you? Like the, some examples of successful um, opt-ins that maybe you have run on ads and help people scale like some topics, like what were some things that people created that were really successful to generate uh, an email list? And then they they could even advertise with those opt-ins and get people to opt in and basically, Uh, give them their email?
1: Yeah. So what's actually working really well right now, instead of positioning opt-ins as a freebie in our agency, we're having our clients position them as a hundred percent off. So, Mm. and there's something super juicy. It's like one of them is a seven figure course planner. So, and that's regular $97, but it's running right now at the hundred percent off coupon. So that is getting like 60 cent leads in the B2B space, which is insane. But I think the positioning, first of all, it's something really juicy because it's a play, like something that people can put into action and plan out their course, a super successful course. And um, so it's something people want. So that's the one thing is we know people want this. Um, And the second thing is it, it will go back to 97 eventually, but it's like right now it's that hundred percent off. So there's there always needs to be a sense of urgency, of course. And um, I think people have gotten a little fatigued by like the freebies um yeah. over time, you know. I mean, and so um having that like hundred percent off, it does something uh different psychologically. And mm-hmm. so that's working really well. But again, finding something super juicy and Legion should be so important to every business. And that's the thing. I think a lot of times people don't understand um, how much they need to invest in Legion, how much it's going to cost all these things. But, um, you know, that's, again, that's getting 60 cent, uh, conversions, which is amazing because usually in the B2B space, it's five to $7. So, um, yeah,
0: you were using Facebook ads for that.
1: Facebook and Instagram. We still have that ad still running right now. It's been running for A little bit over a month and it hasn't fatigued and hasn't like weird. Like, and so once we, when we have a winning ad like that, we don't touch it. We can scale it if we want. So if we want to scale it, we'll copy the campaign. So we'll just make a copy of the the whole campaign and scale it that way. Um, But we, it's doing so well that we're like, we're not going to touch this. We're going to let it, you know, keep running. We you know, obviously check the KPIs every day and just see how it's doing, but it's been outperforming almost all the other ads we have right now, but I think it's because of the, like the juiciness, it's a hundred percent off. People can see right there. The original price was $97. It's um, giving people the um, the idea that they can have like a formula or a structure to create a course that's going to be super successful. Um, and it's a, it's a steal for it's worth way more than a hundred. I mean, than sure, $0 yeah. obviously, but um, yeah, it's doing, it's doing amazing so
0: and when you when you have these let's say this particular ad and somebody clicks on it do they go to like where do they go is it a click funnels page is it like a leads pages like what do you use
1: yeah so this is actually in shopify so this is a little Mm. different but it goes directly to the uh the product page which has where they can check out but what's great about this too is so we're not only getting their emails. we're getting their addresses, their full names in many instances it's optional to put the phone number but in many instances they're putting their phone number even um, to check out which normally like you normally want to say on a regular like, click funnels or lead pages or something like that the least information you have to ask for them possible, you're going to get the, the higher opt-in rate. Right. But because the way this is structured and people can tell it's a normal like checkout type process, they're willing to put in their information and yeah. yeah, still get the, the $0 planner. So. Do you use the then, text?
0: Do you use uh, the phone number for like text uh, messages and stuff? Or do you, Yeah.
1: Text marketing. So, mm-hmm. so um, with the Shopify store, so anytime there's a sell sale or promotion or anything like that, we can use our SMS text text message marketing, (laughs) Um, tongue twister. Um, And we're also emailing them as well. So they're also getting that email marketing. So, and they're seeing that the retargeting ads, meaning that like anybody that goes on to the sales page or anywhere on the site gets retargeting ads in their feed as well. So you're top of mind. Like that's the biggest thing I would say in advertising is to stay relevant and stay top of mind. So, you know, have your retargeting ads, uh, Switch them up a little bit. Don't just run the same retargeting ad over and over again. People are going to get, they're going to get fatigued with that. Have different um, ads up, but make sure everyone that's interacted with you is seeing your stuff. And you can even nurture people through like video, same kind of educational content you'd put out on like your Facebook page or Instagram. That's not like a hard, you know, call to action. Those are great for ads too, because those ads are cheap. So you can run video view ads to your warm audience for, really inexpensive that is, and you're staying on top of their mind. They're thinking you're the go-to person for whatever your niche is. Uh, so that's just a couple of ways that we use advertising to really nurture the customers basically and keep them in, um, in the funnel.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting because I think a lot of people think of marketing maybe as a line, like a linear process, like they go, okay, from here, you know, then they end up they buy and then that's it. But really it's much more a circular process. I think mm-hmm. it's it's about having somebody in your orbit and let's say, you know, they happen to purchase obviously that's one of the results that you want, but you want them to stay in the orbit and kind of like you said, kind of be in that uh, state of mind or having that mind share, having renting space in their head, basically. I mean, right? That's yeah. that's the goal.
1: Yeah, exactly. And you just want, when someone thinks of either a product or a service or whatever it is, you want them to think of you. So Mm -hmm. if it's, you know, if you're a business coach and someone's like, hmm, I really want a business coach, you want them to automatically think, oh, well, I've seen, you know, Jessica roads in my feed, you know, a lot and um, I'm going to go, you know, she seems amazing. She's always teaching things. I see her videos. So I'm going to go purchase from her. So it's just marketing. Also, sometimes it's not it's a long game in a lot of ways, you know? So a lot of times people think, especially if they're right out of the gate, they have a new, they don't have a warm audience, they um, are new and they think, okay, I'm gonna throw ads behind something. And all of a sudden I'm gonna be a millionaire, (laughs) but really it takes time, right? You're still nurturing. People still need to be nurtured. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. But people still need to be nurtured. they still need that no like, and trust, like, you know, we all say, and, um, but, ads are just a faster way to do that, right? Than organic. I mean, and I love organic marketing as well, but you push ads behind it, especially if you have already have a warm audience and that's a way you can really make an income jump. Um, so are there any,
0: Are there any targeting secrets that you've learned? Because I mean, there's so many, like I find, I mean, I'm I'm not an ads expert. I know the value of them. I've had like a lot of training on them, obviously through different uh, business courses I've taken, but at the end of the day, I, I always hire somebody to do it. Cause I, I open business manager. I'm like, Nope, <laughs> not <Yeah. laughs> interested. I just look at all that and uh, it's not fun, but I do know that there's so many different little tricks and sneaky, you know, hacks with zip codes and, you know, all kinds of different things that you can do to basically segment and, um, you know, target people really, because it's it's really being able to target people is the power behind these ads. And so w- what are some things that you've learned maybe recently or you've seen that have worked really well that are not maybe very well known?
1: Yeah, well, I think, and I'm sure you've heard this, but number one thing is testing, testing, testing. So yeah, you have sure. to go through a testing phase and you need to know your personas or avatars, whatever you want to call them. And the thing is, it's like a lot of times, in business, a lot a lot of business courses will say, you have your one avatar, that things like that. With advertising, you really have multiple yeah. um, people that will buy from you and you need to really understand each one of those. And then within that, so what we've been doing, so things with targeting also change like over time. Like there's been different things that have worked really well three months ago that don't work as well right now. Yeah. But right now, what's working for us is to, um, so we'll have our avatars and then we, run an ad only going to one targeting, um, targeting interest for each avatar. Hmm. So we run that for 72 hours. We're seeing, because this way we know the data on that specific, um, interest that we're targeting. So say it's a Facebook page, say it's, um, Amy Porterfeld, who's huge in the coat. The uh, courts industry, which I'm sure you've heard of her, but let's just say that that's your what. So you're you want to um, target course creators, you're going for Amy Porterfield for 40 or 72 hours. We're going to see the engagement, the link clicks, the landing page views, all those kind of things. On that, we use that data. Okay, so is does she have the possibility of being a winning target, you know, for this offer? If she does. Then we know that, but now we're going to target the next person. Let's say it's uh, Shailene Johnson or someone. So we'll target them for seventy-two hours. We're letting the other one run still, but we're so we do several of these, like four or five of these for each persona. So we're able to really know within that who, who which winning audiences we have, and then we can combine them, we can layer them, we can do all other kind of things. But we've really simplified it instead of um, going after you know, a, a huge, and we're also like, especially on accounts that aren't spending, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a month when you have a, when you have a, um, a budget that's, you know, and a couple thousand or whatever a month, then using those helps too, because you're not, the the algorithm is not having to figure out as much. So it's, mm. you're, it's much more targeted. Um, so we've been getting a lot of, that's what we were doing at that one, um, that, uh, course planner that's getting those 60 cents leads, same thing, yeah. one targeting option. Used to we'd have all kinds of different ones, layered, things like that, but we're testing that out and it's been working beautifully actually right now.
0: So, What would be like the minimum that somebody has to be ready to spend if they're wanting to really be serious with their Facebook ads?
1: Yeah. So I, we always say, um, take your goal and work backwards. Mm-hmm. So you take your goal. So say you want to make $10,000 off a of launch, right? Well, we're going to have to work backwards. What What is the cost of the thing you're selling? Um, it, w- for your industry, what's the industry standard for the opt-in rate? And then what's the conversion rate from the opt-in to the sales page? Those kind of things. So we always work backwards. But just, it, just to give you a number, so that's not, you know, um, something more concrete, we say at least a thousand dollars to start. Um, you're going to want, yeah, it's really hard to be able to do all the testing and things to really nail down, um, your winning ad, your winning campaigns, your winning audiences, all those with less than that. So, um, starting out, expect that expect about at least a thousand dollars. Um, but, um, that can scale. I mean, we have clients spending, you know, $10,000 a month, but you know, they're, they've been in business for a while, they've been scaling their ads and things like that. So, um, it just depends on your goals really.
0: What's been one of the hardest things for you to, um, market, or I guess, find winners for,
1: um, as far as ads, like winning ads for yeah, like,
0: um, let's say, you know, a a particular offer or, you know, a company or a business, something, what was, what was a, a challenge, you know, and how did you, what did you end up doing?
1: Yeah, so we actually just had a client not too long ago who sold um, politically, uh, there weren't like super political shirts, but they had to be in the political category. Mm-hmm. So um, they, were, they were things like uh, promoting equality and uh, racial justice and things like that, um, but they had to be in a special ad category. Which caused a lot of frustration and problems oh, because Facebook, yeah, because Facebook is very, very strict on that. So, um, with that, it was so that was a super big challenge. And then, actually, even after the election, Facebook made it to where we couldn't even run that. Like, no account that had to have that special category could run mm. um, ads for a while, I think, still. So, what we did with that client actually is we helped her pivot. So now she has a different t shirt line that still, kind of on the same lines, but not as politically charged Uh, because we just knew we, we told her it was going to be such a big investment and so hard to get the conversions that she wanted that we really thought that she should um, change her approach. So that's kind of how we switched that. So yeah, I mean. Part of advertising, it's not just the ads, it's so much more behind it. It's the offers, it's obviously the site, all kinds of things that, um, that contribute to your success. And in that instance, we just, I mean, every day it was something else it's getting flagged in that account. And um, we were getting horrible conversion rates honestly to be Mm -hmm. transparent and so we just like we all had a meeting and we're just like okay what can we do to help this client out because we obviously want her to be successful um and we came up with an alternative plan for her t-shirt line and now um that one's doing much much better but yeah it's just um so that is one thing to be aware of if you are (laughs) if you have to run ads in a special category that could cause you some challenges for sure so just be aware of that
0: That's really interesting. I mean, so basically she was a political ad. That's basically, but she wasn't,
1: yeah, yeah, she had to be in that category. She wasn't a tie tied to any um, politician or anything, but since Mm -hmm. her t-shirts had a um, social justice message, it's had to be ran like Facebook will flag it and say, this has to be run under special category, which then opened up so many issues and challenges, and so now we just we tweak things a little bit, so it's not as politically charged. And now she's able to run those with success, and and they just weren't getting the conversions either. I think people were were tired of it. You know what I mean? I don't know, but um, and they, it also Facebook wasn't feeding them out the way they should be fed out. That kind of thing, really high CPMS, meaning the um, number of you probably know this, but the number of every thousand people that see it. Things like that. So once we made that switch and got her out of that category, things went back to normal for, us. so we're very thankful for that. Cause that was, that was quite stressful that account.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. I am mean, it just reminds me of so many different, uh, considerations with Facebook ads, you know, especially it's, it's a details game and the details are always changing because they're, you know, updating the platforms and things. And, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting game. That's why I think you have to hire somebody. You know unless you're like super passionate about it but i I don't think you know as an entrepreneur that you have the time to really dedicate to you know this this ever-changing storm matrix of of constant new rules i mean i i feel like i have to spend my time on creating and like planning and and you know creating the content creating new courses whatever i'm going to be selling uh or working obviously and it's like there's so much there's so many details there's so many things to learn with facebook ads and well ever advertising in general that uh, it really pulls you away i don't think you can do both to be an entrepreneur and to focus on marketing and advertising
1: yeah i mean the updates alone are intense and and frequent. Now the image size
0: is this for your, you know, uh, whatever Facebook page. So your old image looks like crap. I mean, it's like, God damn it. You don't have to change it.
1: Yeah. Well, just finding something as simple as like the pixel, right. I mean, they'll change that into where people can find it, but we, uh, because we're an agency, we're in agency groups with, you know, we know other agency owners. So we kind of work together as far as the updates. And so we'll kind of, you know, we'll send out an alert saying, Hey, there's a new update today because they don't announce it either. You don't get like a, an email on your phone saying, Hey, there's just been these updates mm. where it is. You basically find it out as you're in there working at working something on stops something stops. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden something's not where it was yesterday. And you're like, okay. And that, but thankfully we have a network of other advertisers that we can um, all support each other because that makes it so much easier instead of having to figure it out on your own all the time for sure.
0: What what do you think are some of the biggest mistakes you see people making with Facebook ads?
1: Yeah, okay. So the one is not testing and just throwing something up and just thinking and then being like, "Oh, Facebook ads don't work." I had one ad running, one audience, <laughs> the same copy, the same image, and it's a complete flop. So if you if you have never run an ad before and you did run one and it became super successful, you are One in a million. (laughs) Like that is, that doesn't happen very often. It takes testing. It takes different, um, testing different copy, different hooks. Like what, what is going to get these people to, to take that action? And patience, because it takes a while for the algorithm to optimize your ads. It takes, you know, it takes some time sometimes, you know. And so I think people quit too soon, one, Mm -hmm. and then they don't test. Um, Other thing I would add on to this is not retargeting. Every single business. I don't care what kind of business you're in, should have retargeting ads up if they have nothing else. Retargeting ads are cheap. And that's a way to stay on top of the mind of people who have visited your site, interacted with you, anything like that. So those three things, not testing, um, giving up too soon and not having retargeting ads, 100%.
0: What are like with retargeting ads cuz I think those are super interesting. Every time I go anywhere, I end up going back on Facebook, I get retargeted. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, somebody was listening, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, what are what are they for people that don't know what they are and how do you set them up? Like what are some main points about retargeting ads?
1: Yeah, so it depends on like where, what your goal is. So let's just, so let's say you're in the middle of a launch and you have a course you're trying to sell. Those are going to be different kind of retargeting ads than your just general retargeting ads that you have up. So your general retargeting ads that you have up would be, we normally set them as a reach objective because we want, Everyone to see them and that's been to the site or something like that. How we reach those people are because there's a code, the Facebook pixel that's on the website. So if anyone goes there, that code sending the information back to Facebook that, um, who you are basically on your Facebook so that you're able to see those ads. Also, if you engage on any posts, if you comment on posts, if you um, have taken any of those kind of actions, you'll see retargeting ads. And so for general retargeting ads, again, we say do a reach objective because that means as many of those people as possible are going to see that ad. Now, if you're in a launch we do it a little differently. We have both the general um, retargeting ads up, but we also have conversion ads retargeting that same web audience as well, because we want because um, Facebook to definitely show the ads to the people that are likely to convert. So then you have both of them. But basically how it works is you go visit a site, your information is tracked, and the That information is sent back to the Facebook advertising platform. And then those ads are already set up to go out to those people. And so they go out automatically.
0: Hmm. No, that's brilliant. I mean, especially for even for using advertisement in a way that isn't necessarily selling things, but just Mm -hmm. keeping, keeping that reminder. I think that's that's so effective. Just having that branding, like with Coca-Cola, you know, I just use Coca-Cola as an example, but it's like, you always think of Christmas and Coke, you know, Mm -hmm. I even don't drink Coca-Cola, but you always have those polar bears or the, you know, Santa Claus with a Coke. It's just, they've done so much work with those giant billboards to just let you know, like, Hey, by the way, Christmas means Coke. they are not necessarily saying, Hey, come here and buy this for, you know, this price. They're just basically affirming that they exist in your mind.
1: Exactly. And that, I think that is another, that's a great point that you just made because a lot of people think that they're, They only expect, like maybe they come talk to us when um, they're interested in ads and we tell them, you know, it's not just about the conversions, like running conversion ads. Like we want, we need to run all different kinds of ads to nurture those people. So you do make more conversions in the long term but it is like you were saying, like nurturing, letting people know who you are, that kind of thing. And um, so it's not just always a hard CTA. A lot of times it's just informational, which works really well.
0: Do you use... um like YouTube, Google and LinkedIn at all for ads?
1: So we use Google, but not right now we're not using YouTube or LinkedIn. And we only use Google with a few clients. It's not uh, full transparency. It's not our specialty. But um, if a client really wants to put some up, we know how to do it, um, you know, and we'll we're transparent about that. We say, you know, this is not our specialty, but we do know how to do it. We do know how to put up a basic search, you know, keyword ad. So, uh, what's we- the
0: difference between all those, like what's between Google, YouTube, LinkedIn, and then Facebook and Instagram, like what would be the advantage or reason you would go with one or the other?
1: Yeah. So the good thing about Facebook and Instagram is we, the targeting capabilities are, the best out there as far as like what you can target and the data you get about your targeting, all that kind of stuff, hands down, best on Facebook and Instagram also really good for uh, retargeting as far as, you know, being able to show up in people's um, feeds in different ways. Like we were just talking. So maybe you have a video, educational video that's showing up. Then you have another ad that is more of a hard call to action, sending them to the website. Uh, Maybe you have a like a behind the scenes type of like, this is who we are type video, that kind of thing with Google. I mean, you could do that on YouTube too, but you're not as likely to be seen by the same people because people are searching different things. They might, they're the, um, the user experience is a little different, right? People go on to YouTube they're going on to watch a specific thing and then they get off usually. Um, With Facebook, it's a lot of scrolling. So you have that, it's a different kind of um, real estate, really. You have more real estate on there to show up in people's things. LinkedIn, Mm. I can't really speak on because I don't really know. I haven't even dipped my toes into LinkedIn advertising. I heard it's expensive,
0: but it could be good if you kind of know what you're doing, I guess, but...
1: Yeah, one of my really good um, agency friends is actually doing, this is so interesting, she's actually testing out all the different platforms right now, like with her own ads. And so she's um, doing a big case study and all that, which she'll give me when it's done, but I can't wait to see it, just to see like the difference in um, lead cost, all that kind of stuff. And she did, she's been giving me updates and she said LinkedIn is by far the most expensive right now. So Mm. um, that's just interesting. Um, And oh and then google also is amazing for search ads if someone wants to search is searching you know because they're already looking for that so that comes yeah. in very handy for those items that you know people will look for so it works really good for especially product-based businesses when someone's searching for you know a trash can or whatever they're searching for to come up in that google shop which you can um you can have that as far as your search as well so there's different, you know, there's different reasons to use both. I do think that a combination of Google and Facebook work really well. And, um, also my understanding is that YouTube is really good for, uh, high-end sales. So it's yeah. more expensive to run them. But if so, if you have a high-end program that YouTube is a good platform for that.
0: Yeah. I see, uh, you know, obviously like People like Ty Lopez and stuff always mm-hmm. running ads mm-hmm. where they basically hook people into a free webinar, which actually isn't mm-hmm. free. You're actually paying, I think, like forty bucks to reserve your spot. But then once you're in the webinar, it's you know it's like a five k, ten k type of deal. So mm-hmm. it ends up. I mean, even just from registrations, I imagine if there's a hundred people that register, you know, for your webinar that supposedly is supposed to be free, you know, you're still making some money back on your YouTube advertisement. So,
1: right, yeah. Well,
0: you know, you mentioned courses earlier, and I want to touch on those because I think that's that's such a big opportunity, um, especially in the future. Now, everybody's—I think education is shifting. I think people are, you know, going to be at home more, obviously. And regardless, you know, what happens in the future, I think just people are have been able to adapt to a more being at home type of model. And even education itself, like high school and college, I mean, things are just. I think they're just going to change i think people are just going to go online to learn most of the things that they want to learn if they want to be an entrepreneur if they want to have some sort of specialty training a lot of that's going to be online and so education and course creation i think is is a huge opportunity so why would someone want to create an online course you know how do you create a course what are the costs involved you know once you get it done like how do you kind of launch it like there's a lot in that group of questions i asked you but you know basically somebody who uh, isn't familiar with that? Like, kind of walk them through that process.
1: Yeah, if you are, if you have more knowledge than pretty much anyone in any subject, you can create a course. <laughs> so all you needed to be is like a couple steps ahead of someone. So let's just say you're um, a teacher, right? And right now, so many um, parents are homeschooling and all that. Well, you could teach parents, you know, how to teach their kids while they're at home. Something mm-hmm. like that. Something you pick. Something you already know. And a lot of people think, well, I don't really, I don't know anything that other people don't, that's not true. Every single person knows, you know, things that other people don't. So pick something you already know, especially when you're starting out. And um, the least expensive way to do it, I mean, as far as I can give you tools, so you can do Member Vault, which is an amazing platform. Um, You can do that for, I'm pretty sure they still have it where you can have your first hundred free. If not, it's super cheap. And then you could also use like Mail or for your email and landing page, um, that kind of thing. So that's very expensive. You can Member get it. Member Vault up. is
0: like a hosting platform for courses.
1: Yes. Yep. For courses and memberships. And it is very inexpensive and it's amazing. Um, how so, do, how
0: would you compare it to like Thinkific or Kartra?
1: Yeah. So. Um, Okay. So Carch is more all in one because they have like the sales funnels, all that kind of right. stuff. Member Vault is just the course platform, but it's there, as far as the design and the, um, the ease of using it from a consumer's perspective, Member Vault's way cleaner from the um, course perspective. I like Thinkific a lot too, but Thinkific's more of a, um, investment than Member Vault. And Member vaults. I mean, they're a really cool company. Um, So anyways, if you want to do it like super cheap, you could go Member Vault, set something up on like Mail or Light, do that almost for free. So you could have that, you know, almost for free, start like that, then start selling it well map out the main things that people might need to know and don't overcomplicate it. Don't make something, you know, this is not someone getting their dissertation and how to teach it. You know, people don't have a lot of time. A lot of times people like put so much into something, no one ever finishes it. And and then, you know, you want people to finish your product and you want people to get something out of it and get results. That's how you're gonna get uh, recognition for it. That's how people are gonna tell their friends and so on and so forth, but sell it organically first. So, you know, whether that's talking, you know, talking about it on your personal Facebook page, whether that's going on podcasts, um, things like that, sell it organically. And then once you've proven that you, that it can sell, then you can put ads behind it. But um, that's the general, if I had to say it real quick, how to create a course. But um, yeah, but I mean, honestly, like I definitely predict there's going to be, you know, a huge influx of online entrepreneurs in the next couple of years because of COVID, our current times, a lot, unfortunately, people have lost their jobs or people just don't wanna go back now that they're used to being home. A lot of different circumstances, but it's it's not oversaturated. There's still so many opportunities. So anybody thinking about getting into it, get into it, sell some courses. and then you can grow from there. The other thing I would say about that is outline your course and create your first module, but don't create the whole course until you sell it. Because Mm. you you might need to make some tweaks, things like that. Um, And you could do it, what we call drip, meaning they're gonna get, you know, week one, they'll get module one, week two, they get module two and so on and so forth. So, you know, if someone buys it, you have a week to make that second module. So that also gives you some motivation and to um, get things done. But uh, the last thing you wanna do is spend you know, tons of time on something that's not going to sell. So make sure it's going to sell before you put everything into it.
0: Yeah. I mean, courses, especially the production value, if you add up, you know, let's say you hire a videographer and you, you know, you record several days. I have a course that I recorded, I think four days straight. It was like 10 hours a day. <laughs> it was, it wow. was, it was, it was quite the investment, but uh, but it's a lot of fun too. I think courses are the future and there's a lot of ways that you can market them even, beyond ads. I mean, I have a few platforms that I basically just gave them the rights to use the course. And then they, they just give me a royalty, you know, based off whoever buys. So it's nice. I mean, I'm not making tons of money right now per month, but it's nice still to get those little amounts in the, in the, in the mail or not in the mail, in the email. <laughs> yeah. And, and so like, wow, you know, I made some money without having to be there. That's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. And there's uh, such a market for it. Like you said, everyone's learning online now. So it's the time.
0: You know, the courses are, I think, part of a greater scheme of things. And when you, when you drive somebody to a course, like how do you, do you sell it as a product on your website? Do you have it like, what's kind of, how do you price it? You know, where in the scheme of the marketing funnel or, you know, wheel, let's say the orbit, right? How, how do you place it? Where do you place it? And how do you judge the price for a course?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And um, there's so many different things that go into that. So it's going to depend on one, like, are you involved at all? Is there accountability? Is there any kind of like one on one action or group action, that kind of thing? Obviously, that raises the price of any course. If there's not, you could still sometimes have high-end courses depending on the subject matter. So if it's something like Facebook ads, a lot of times you can charge more for that, right? Because people are really wanting to learn them. And they know at the end of the day, if they master Facebook ads, that'll bring more money into their, into their life. So things like that, you can charge more for. Um, Also, you can charge more if you're more known, which you could become more known fast again, with Facebook ads through the nurturing we do and all that kind of thing. But as far as uh, where to put them in the funnel, again, that's gonna depend on the pricing. So if it's more high end, you're hundred percent gonna wanna have a webinar. Um, to sell it um, or a challenge, something to where people are going to get to know you, hear your voice, know what you're talking about before asking them to make that investment because it's very rare that you'll have just a sales page for something you know 997 and up. It's going to need to be mainly um, through a webinar or a challenge. Uh, something lower in, if we're talking, you know, couple anything 300 under, um, you can sell that right on the sales page. Yeah. And so a lot of times what works well is I'm sure you've heard of like the tripwire. So this is they they go to your opt-in again, very juicy opt-in that people really want, that people are willing to put their name and email. Then it goes directly to a sales page. You give them an incentive for buying that course right away. So that's the one-time offer. There's a countdown. Why do they need to buy that right now? Well, normally it's $500. Today you get it for $297. And that's true. I mean, I believe in um, authentic marketing. So don't say that if you're not actually, if that's not the truth of your marketing. But you could use things like Deadline Funnel, different um, software that will give people their discount based on when they hit the page. So um, you can actually do this in Kartra as well. But once they hit the page, um, they'll... They'll have you know X amount 16 minutes or whatever to take advantage of that deal. If they come back to the page, that deal's gone for them. But um, yeah, there's different strategies depending on the pricing depending on what's all involved in the course. Again, sometimes it's a course where you where people are just studying uh, or taking in the information by themselves. but sometimes there's more of a community aspect that obviously when you have community involved and any kind of coaching, you can charge higher end for it.
0: You mentioned webinar and like what to somebody who hasn't used the webinar yet. Cause there's, there's webinars that you do, and then there's automated webinars. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole wide range of webinars There's webinar platforms uh, that, that you can use. So what do you recommend? What have you seen that's effective? How do you structure webinar? You know, what's that whole process and how does that connect to the marketing?
1: Yeah, I think webinars still have a, they, they're, they have great conversion rates comparatively, especially live ones. Um, Evergreen webinars are great too. That means that those are the webinars that just, that people that aren't live, that people are just watching and sometimes they're perceived as live, uh, but they aren't live. And those can have good conversion rates as well, but nothing beats a live webinar. Nothing beats the energy of them and the conversion rates. As far as um, the platforms, I I use Webinar Jam, but um, if you're just getting starting out, use Zoom. You don't need to invest, you know, five, six hundred dollars in a in a webinar platform. Use Zoom. You can use it. Um, it works just fine. But the main things that um, I think are important in a webinar are getting people involved, like so the live viewers, like having them participate. Actually, so it's not just you talking to the camera and they. Um, are passive participants. You want them to be actively involved. That helps conversions. Also being really transparent about who you are. So people can see through the BS, right? So you wanna be transparent about who you are. You wanna be transparent about your own journey. people are liking a lot less of like here's me with all my lambos and you know i like retired my husband in four weeks and now we're flying in the private jet you know that kind of thing like people don't like that anymore like i mean and so um just be authentic and i always on my webinars which i have a super high conversion rate on my webinars but i always say at the beginning hey you know i am going to tell you i'm going to give you an opportunity to work with me. And there will be uh, a pitch at the end, like straight up. Like I'm not pretending like this is something that it's not, but at the same time, I'm going to give you a ton of value in this, you know, and there's no pressure to work with me at the end of this, but I just want to let you know that you will have that opportunity. If this is something you want to pursue further, if not cool, but you're still going to leave with all this information. But I think, yeah, I think being authentic and definitely not doing the whole, like, you know, Babes and Lambos things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Good thing that's coming to an end. I mean, yeah. this is oh so sick God. of saying yeah. that every day.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: <laughs> What's been some of the things that you've seen in webinars that have been uh, really successful, like topics?
1: Yeah. So the I always say, like with our clients and stuff, to focus on the what, not the how. Because a lot of times people are like, okay, what should I put in my webinar? So um, it's really giving people. um, So for example, maybe in like for a um, Facebook advertising, I would give them campaigns that everyone should be running. So that would be the retargeting campaigns, the lead generation campaigns. These are all of them. This is, you know, what they do. So I'm giving them the what that's really juicy because a lot of people want to know that information. They want to know exactly what they need to be doing. Right. But the offer is the how. Right. So it's like I've told you all these things that you need, but now if now if you want to learn how to do this, like actually like me walking you through your campaign setup, um, me, you know, walking you through the exact forms of copy that need to be used, me giving you examples of and templates for the uh the graphics, all that kind of stuff, that's the how and that's the offer, right? So those work really, really well because people are now, okay, I know the information, I know it needs to get done, but there's there's, you know, a step that's missing. Like, I need to know exactly how to do this, and that's mm. where your offer comes in. Those do amazing every time.
0: That's great. Yeah, I've been, I've been wanting to get back into doing those webinars. Are very interesting. I just, I was so busy with all the other crap I'm doing because they really, <laughs> you have to really plan. Yeah, you, know, you have to plan them out, and mm-hmm. uh, especially ideally if you want to get to and automated webinar that's already, you know, once you get to one that's, that's selling and you have a nice Mm -hmm. model and you can just record it and run it and it can make money for you while you sleep. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Those evergreens work excellent for the ones that have already, like you said, already done well, um, Mm. live, turn those into evergreen and they'll, the money just keeps trickling in. It's awesome.
0: Yeah. Nice. Well, overall, what is, if you could tell people three things, that have made the big like the biggest lessons for you in marketing in the last six, 10 years, whatever it's been. What have been three things that have made the biggest difference for you that you would want to share with someone?
1: Yeah, I think definitely one is knowing who you are as the um, the owner and being transparent and being authentic. <laughs> because again, especially it used to five years ago, you could the, all the like, you know, we we're talking about the Lambos, that kind of thing um, was working, but it doesn't work anymore. So just be yourself, be authentic. And people like it when you're vulnerable. So um, being vulnerable, even in your ads, your messaging, that is okay. It's okay. And actually um, beneficial to be vulnerable. So that's one thing. Second thing is is 100% the testing. Like I cannot emphasize that enough. You have to test your audiences, your creative, your copy, um, and your offer. So sometimes you'll want to make tweaks on your landing page. Um, maybe you want to change up your pricing. Maybe you want to add a different bonus or change a bonus. Or you know, there's so many different things that can happen. And um, the third thing is definitely um taking time for gratitude and this goes for my marketing and for everything else my ad agency is actually as grateful as um so gratitude is such a big part of everything i do and it it's changed my life so um definitely having that gratitude practice it's gonna help you no matter what you're doing in business 100 percent.
0: nice what are you most grateful for today
1: yeah um oh i'm th- i'm grateful for so many things but i'm definitely grateful for the opportunity to share my message and to you know be on podcast this is my uh this year my goal was to be on 52 podcasts this month i've been on 10. <laughs> So I'm gonna smash that goal, I think, but uh, I'm just thankful that like you invited me on, that, you know, we're having this conversation. I love talking with other entrepreneurs and just to have this opportunity, uh, especially during these times is amazing. And to have businesses that are running and I'm just, I feel extremely fortunate.
0: Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed that episode with my friend, Dr. Jackie, you know, to bring our dreams to life, to express what we want in the service and benefit of others. This is at the heart of business and entrepreneurship and anything else really ultimately is to bring what's inside of you as an idea, as a desire, as a passion out into the world. And to do this, you need the internal, uh, which is, you know, understanding who you are, what you stand for, what your values are, what's your vision, and also the external, which is all the marketing and, and tools and tricks of the trade, all the little things that are important mechanically to, to bring your vision to life. Those are equally as important. So I hope this episode has given you a little bit of both of that. Dr. Jackie's certainly a wonderful resource. So make sure you check her out if you are looking for someone to help you in this department. She has a whole agency devoted to this, Grateful Ads, it's called. And I'll post some links through the Show notes of this. Again, this is episode 234, and it's going to be on the danceoflife.com slash podcast blog, where I'm going to be posting the show notes there. And you can get 20% off her CEO store with coupon code podcast. So make sure you check that out. If this episode has inspired you, has taught you something, make sure you share it with your friends, anybody in your life that may benefit from this. A lot of details in this one. So great, great resource for anybody that has a business or that's looking to maybe grow their business or take it to the next level with advertising or maybe hiring an agency. It's a great resource. Let's not forget our quote from Aristotle all the way back, who knows how many years ago, right? 2,000, 3,000 years ago. It is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. You know, and in many ways you could say that to be creative is to be able to entertain thoughts without necessarily committing to it. It's allowing your mind to be open and trying different things on. Trying them on, you know, like a, like a piece of clothing, but not necessarily committing to it, but trying it on. Keep an open mind, try different things, see what happens, you know, marketing and getting your vision out into the world is very much a game of trial and error. <laughs> it's a lot of throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. But I hope that this episode has given you a few more tools to throw that spaghetti at the wall and evaluate how, how it sticks and how for how long, <laughs> right? Thank you so much for listening. hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Tune in on Tuesday for a little Transformation Tuesday with three limiting beliefs to let go of in 2021. On Friday, I interview career and success coach Aaron Urban on how to unlock your full potential in your career, in your entrepreneurial business, and whatever endeavor you happen to be. We're going to be talking about limiting beliefs and how to create successful habits to really unlock the success that you deserve so make sure you tune in and share it with your friends until then have an amazing rest of your weekend and remember that life is a dance so go out there and dance it well For more inspiration, free resources, and bonus content, stay connected at danceoflife.com.